from the team behind the award-winning best fiction horror podcast, Nightlight. A new audio drama that brings the southern folklore of True Blood and the cosmic horror of Lovecraft Country to your ears. You don't hear that, do you? Afflicted is a tale of hoodoo, a demonic book bound in human flesh, and natural disasters that are anything but natural. Which grave did you get the dirt from? Which grave? Afflicted, a horror thriller audio drama coming Halloween 2022, but only if we raise enough money to pay everyone a living wage. Support Afflicted at bit.ly slash support afflicted to hear the full series this fall. What's up, horror babies? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Talbert. This week, we took a look at the 1985 film, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, directed by Jack Shoulder. Happy Pride Month! Yay! Welcome to week number three yeah week three and then we got a big finale coming up next week because that right maybe no i don't know when's the black phone come out oh uh we are gonna be ending pride month technically with um we're gonna be covering black phone because it comes out at the end of june but i mean if there's any other horror movies coming out around that time we might do a double feature i don't know i think it's very homophobic of the black phone to come out during june this is what happened with the conjuring last year but there was a surprise gay twist so that could happen again maybe there'll be a gay character in black phone who knows i don't know i am hearing really good things about it already though speaking of gay characters i did not know that ethan hawk was is gay i don't know the actress's name but the actress who plays robin that's that's her dad yeah her name is maya hawk i don't know her name oh <laughs> I well said that's I her know. name i'm sorry don't yell her at name's me robin excuse you her name is maya hawk and uma thurman is her mom yeah i just didn't know oh I'm sorry. I would have told you. You don't need to be sorry. I was just like, I was just pleasantly surprised. You know what my favorite part of Stranger Things is? Is that the girl, I don't know her name, that played Anne in Anne with an E is in it. And they have given her 20 seconds of screen time. Where did she go? Please come back. Uh, I think it was, she's probably just a little, little guest guest role little cameo she's credited in every single episode and I need her back. I miss Anne with an E so bad. How's your life? What's happening? I haven't done anything. So have you done anything? Have I done anything? Um, I go to the doctor. Seen anything? Uh, you anything? know what? I watched a movie. 
I'm furious at the general public for making me think that this was going to be a good movie. Morbius? <laughs> no, I don't think kidding. anyone ever thought that. I think they just memed the hell out of it. No, I watched Paranormal Activity. What a crock of shit. That sucked. I hated it. I could have told you that you probably wouldn't like it. It was so boring, and I hated the main characters. It's a movie theater kind of movies that you sit so long in boredom that when things start finally start to happen, but nothing happens. It's exciting, but you know, when you're just watching it at home, you're like, I'm bored, what I'm things bored, happen? I could be doing other when things. When a door creaks open? Ah, yeah, she, okay. she got dragged out of the room. I wanted her to. I was rooting for the demon because these were the two most unlikable characters I've ever seen. I like the sequel. The sequel is fun. You know what I liked now a lot more in comparison to this? That shitty Amish version of the paranormal <laughs> activity we watched. Yeah. That was a masterpiece compared to this shit. You might like the sequel more because they do a better job of, uh, they have more money, so they they go down the route of like the family is not only recording themselves, but they're like they have security footage. So more things happen in the sequel. Okay. I guess that's something. I the one thing about found footage is that you have to have a good reason for them to be filming, and they did not give me one. But I did watch another found footage movie, I think right before this, that I did like called Butterfly Kisses. It's on Tubi right now. And I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I haven't done anything, so I'm I'm boring. Just been working. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I stopped so that I could sit home and watch movies. Yeah, it has nothing to do with your hand. Oh, yeah, and I, like, can't lift anything heavier than a milk carton, so it's fine. All right, well, you definitely did watch this movie, so we might as well talk about that. We're covering the second Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Freddy's Revenge. I don't know why I did the Law and Order thing. <laughs> I don't know either. Well, you know what? <sighs> because Jesse's going to be in jail forever. Well, yes, that. But also, I feel like SVU would probably be the ones to handle Freddy's crimes since he's a, he's a pedophile. We've learned from this movie that he likes to be inside of children. <laughs> we learned that in the last movie, but now he's taking that very literally. Uh, yeah. Uh, out of all the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, I can understand why people might not like this one, but for me, it's so wacky. It's so unique. I think the special effects, are, for the most part, are pretty good. Um, there are a couple that they clearly just didn't put time into, but it's a fun, campy, weirdly paced movie, and I enjoy it. I agree. So I I've seen this movie before. I watched it a couple months ago. And I, I've seen the first three Nightmare films, and I am surprised at apparently how much people didn't like this when it came out. I understand a little bit more now, especially after watching the Scream Queen documentary that, that Shudder released with the lead actor Mark Patton. I think it's fun. I do think a lot of the effects are well done. I think it's super goofy. But I also understand why people who are big fans of the original wouldn't like this because it has jack shit to do with the first film. I mean, Freddy is a crossover 
But yeah, that's about it. Uh, I mean, we have a a male lead who, unlike Nancy, who kind of takes charge and defeats Freddy, uh, has to be kind of assisted there at the end. But I like Jesse. I know that Mark Patton says that he got criticized a lot because people said he screams like a girl. But I really like his scream. I think that people would love to say their scream is masculine, but I feel like for the most part, everyone's scream is kind of along those lines. I don't know how you could have a masculine scream. I don't think... Yeah, that's just a grunt. Like, there's a difference between yelling (laughs) and screaming. Yeah, unfortunately, Mark Patton did kind of get screwed over when it came to how this role affected his entire career. I think he's great in it, but I think that for the most part, a lot of people were not ready to kind of shift into looking at this movie through a female gaze, I guess. But then when you you look at other horror films, there are several scenes in this where you can see a man's bare ass or like the lead character just in his tidy whities and his bulge is right there. Yes, queen, yes. (laughs) I, I don't think that's what the common horror movie goer was looking for at this time. No. But there are so many instances of like seeing women objectified in films like this that no one bats an eye at and it's a little hypocritical. For people to all of a sudden see uh, men being objectified, it was very uncomfortable for them. And I think, yeah, this movie is definitely female gaze. I think that's a good way to put it. And the fact that like... It's Lisa, who is Jesse's, I don't know if they ever officially say it, but she's essentially his girlfriend. She's the one that saves him in the end through the power of love. So it's not even really a big fight in the end. She just like, like a toddler, just like, you're loved. I love you. It's okay. You can feel your feelings. It's fine. I mean, yeah, there there isn't really a huge demon fight at the end, but I think all the effects and stuff do make up for it. So it is still really interesting to watch. But I don't know. I think this was more than people were ready for at the time. And I'm glad that it's being re-examined now. And I I think it's gained a lot more of a cult following, especially in the gay community. Yeah, for sure. So we, we picked this movie for two reasons. One is that it is probably one of those movies that the subtext went from being subtext to just being text. And the lead actor, Mark Patton, he was not openly gay at the time, but he has since then kind of owned his role. And he, I think he was pretty much outed by this movie and he did kind of sink into obscurity. He was just kind of done with Hollywood. His partner at the time did end up getting AIDS and dying, which was very sad. Uh, I highly recommend the Scream Queen movie. I know Riley plugged it earlier. It's on Shudder. And I think it is produced by Mark Patton too. But it's him just talking about his experience in Hollywood making the movie and then kind of the fallout for the movie. He is also an AIDS survivor. The fact that he survived is a, a miracle. Listening to him talk about it in the documentary Scream Queen almost made me cry. But I, I love him. And he's Yeah, since this movie has kind of gone full circle from being really kind of rejected by the fan base to now being really embraced as this like cult phenomenon. And now that Mark Patton has also embraced it and he's out and he's doing cons now, it's just really nice to see. Yeah, it is very 
interesting. I mean, he talks a lot about how he is a man living with HIV and was, mm-hmm. you know, the Reagan era and all of that happening around him. And I do not think that it's a coincidence that during the height of the AIDS crisis is when body horror in horror films was becoming very, very popular. And you see a lot of that in this film as well. And he talked about his struggles with being a closeted gay actor and making this film. And a lot of the conflict was between him and the writer who refused to say there was any gay subtext in this film and placed a lot of the blame on him and said, well, it was never in the script. His performance is what made it really, really gay, which is absurd when you watch the film and you see the things that happen. Like there is a scene where they are in an S&M club. (laughs) And you're like, there's no way that that is a coincidence. If you see that, even as someone who has never been to a gay bar, your assumption is going to be that's where they are. So it, I don't know, there's also an awful article that the writer David Chaskin wrote that said he, once he did start admitting that all of that subtext was there on purpose, he said he wrote it as a homophobic movie and wanted to see like gay people suffering. He, as, yeah, and as a conversion movie. Yeah, he, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but said like they should show this at conversion therapy camps or something like that. So I'm glad the movie has found a community and that Mark Patton, who did essentially run away, he lived in Mexico for a long time, not wanting to be found. I'm glad he has come to accept this role and kind of come to terms with everything. Yeah, and the only reason he's kind of come out of the woodwork, so to speak, is because there was a documentary that was made covering all of the Nightmare movies called Never Sleep Again, which is really good. If you're a Nightmare on Elm Street fan, highly recommend it. It's really interesting. It is very long because I think they do like an hour on each movie. They had to literally hire a private investigator to find Mark Patton so they could interview him for that, for Freddy's Revenge. And then people started seeing it and recognizing him. Um, and that's kind of how he started kind of coming back, back into the limelight. I do think he's really good in this movie. There aren't a lot of final boys, and I, I'm glad he's one of them because I really like Jesse. The only other one that I can really think of is in the Friday the 13th series. There is Tommy who is in it for, I think he's in three of the movies. But yeah, I... Mark Patton had something very, very interesting to say. I think it was in the Screen Queen documentary about how the writer, David Chaskin, has clearly changed what he is saying about the movie depending on the popularity or the acceptance of the movie. So he was like, yeah, he would never say it was a gay film until like people started, the gay community started embracing it. And he's like, oh yeah, I totally did it on purpose. So I I don't want to like harp on anyone because I don't know David Chaskin and I like that in Scream Queen, Mark and him do have a conversation and Mark seems to find peace with it, but he just... <sighs> and it does seem like the writer kind of owns up to how he has been reacting to the movie depending on its popularity. It was nice to see them talk about it and, you know, not just have those terrible articles and speculation. That's why we picked this movie (laughs) to do, because it is, yeah, there is no subtext. It's all text. Oh, it's hella gay. Very gay. And very fun. 
It is so much fun. And it's also very funny. It should be said that Wes Craven was not involved in this movie. Essentially, the first movie came came out and they didn't expect it to do as well as it did. And so immediately they started working on a sequel and they showed Wes the script. And he was like, this script is bad. And they're like, well, we don't have time to work on it. So we're just going to go make this without you. Yeah. So uh, Wes Craven is not involved in this movie. No. So I think that might also be one of the reasons why it's so drastically different than the first one. It's just you have a whole new creative team working on it. And it's not bad. But yeah, it's certainly not the same. It's uh, Bob Shea and New Line wanted their money. And that's how this came to be, which is fine. And it's fun. And he's got a, Bob Shea has a cameo at the gay bar. He's the, uh, he's the bartender in his leather. And from my understanding is that Robert Shea, I believe, gave up a lot of his rights for the first one to get it made. So this is really his chance to make money. He didn't really make money off of the first one. I, I hope he did. I didn't look into box office or anything. I'm sure he did. Cause... This one, this movie, as much as it was very divisive, like made up boatload of money so and the first one also made a ton of money people probably heard about how gay it was and they wanted to see for themselves do you want to talk about anything else or should we talk about the plot you want to talk about the plot i'm gonna go ahead and apologize up front this movie the pacing is very strange and they move scene scene from scene very fast so there is a very good chance that even though i have notes i might miss a minor scene so please forgive me ahead of time if you miss anything it's probably just going to be jesse sweating in bed more because that's like every single scene. Oh my God, this movie is so moist. It's it so really it's such is. a wet film. You know who's extra moist in this movie? Other than Jesse, obviously, Freddy. Freddy. Oh, yeah. He looks greasy in this one. I like because it, especially once he like comes out of Jesse, because I'm like, well, I guess that tracks because he was like inside of him. Covered in goo. Oh, he's like a newborn baby. Yeah. Cute. Just as attractive too. Yeah, kind of. Newborns are gross. Sorry. So our movie opens up on what you will find out is a nightmare sequence. Not real. It's Jesse on a school bus. There's a couple other girls in the bus. They're being dropped off from school. Or, yeah, they're being dropped off. Bus does not stop. It drives into the desert. But the bus driver turns out to be Freddy. And the ground drops out from underneath them. It's this terrible nightmare sequence where Freddy is coming towards the back of the bus to murder them. And then Jesse wakes up. And by that, I mean, uh, it's morning. His family is downstairs making breakfast, and they just hear, Ah! Mommy, why can't Jesse wake up like everybody else? Yeah, apparently he's been having night terrors ever since they moved into this house. I wonder why. It's because it's Nancy's house. Yeah, it takes place um, some years after the first movie. They find Nancy's diary later, which is strange because I don't ever remember her having a diary, but that's fine. I don't either, but maybe it's something we missed. I She was awake for a long time, so she probably had to fill the time somehow. Yes, so uh, it's morning time. They establish that the family has recently moved into this house. Jesse's still supposed to be unpacking, and he's not doing a very good job of it. He gets ready to go to school, and he goes to the door, and there's Lisa, his girlfriend? BFF, driver, 
lady friend. They they never really do tell you. They're essentially like courting, for lack of a better word. Like they're clearly interested in each other. Jesse seems to be interested in a lot of people. But the script tells us that they're interested in each other. I never see it, but I do think they're cute BFFs. Also, apparently, like... We see Lisa's house later, and it's huge, and it's got this She's big rich. in-ground pool. Why is she getting a ride with this kid and his car she that's, likes like, him. falling apart? Okay, but if I were her parents, and dating. All right. If I were the parents, I would buy him a better car. Like, please don't kill my daughter in your death trap. It's the 80s. They don't care. Is it? They let the kids come over and, like, have crazy parties. Yeah, that did look fun. Up until, well, you'll find out. We get to school. Uh, it's gym class time. Uh, this is where Jesse becomes friends with, his name is Ron Grady. They mostly call him Grady. But they're like playing baseball. And I don't, I, I can't remember what it is. I think Jesse gets hit on the head with the ball or something. And then he tries to get Grady out, but Grady doesn't want it. So they start wrestling and then he pulls down Jesse's pants. You see a butt. And then they get punished by the coach who then makes them do push-ups. I still don't know. It just looked like they were doing something to ruin their posture because they're like half in plank form, but also doing bad push-ups. I have no clue. But yeah, it's the first man ass that we see. Should we have a man ass tally? Because there's going to be more. Uh, Yes, there will be more. And I like Grady's character because they set him up as the bully at first. But then you find out, no, he's he's just like, whatever, man, I don't care. It's just, I was just playing sports. He and Jesse become friends. So that's, that's nice. I think Grady's my favorite character. I really like him. And I like their little, I think you called it a meat cute when we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ron immediately started to undress Jesse. So there, there you go. There you go for a meat cute. It's intense. Oh, and I think... Oh, this might be in the locker room, not while they're doing push-ups. They keep talking, and, and Grady starts telling Jesse about the, the history of the house and Nancy and talks about S&M clubs. S&M club downtown. Did you know you live in the old Thompson house? Thompson's house where this girl named Nancy went crazy? Weird, right? Not gonna come into play at all. Yeah, that's why there's bars on your window, Jesse. Yeah, we cut right from that to another, uh, Jesse's having another nightmare sequence. Uh, you can tell that Jesse is having nightmare sequences when it's nighttime and he wakes up and he's wearing jeans. That's what I discovered. Oh yeah, because when he wakes up for real, we always see him in his tidy way. He's so sweaty. Yeah, he's very sweaty and we see him in his underwear. Why would you want to wear jeans when you go to sleep? Or are super sweaty. Especially when your house is 97 degrees. Yeah, they set up this weird thing where the house is consistently hot, but they can't figure out why. So that's why everyone's so sweaty all the time. But the nightmare sequence is Jesse hears a noise outside. He goes and looks. He can see down to the basement and sees somebody stoking the furnace. And that someone is Freddy. What? Jesse goes inside. What's this strange man in my basement? And then we have the first encounter between Freddy and Je- and uh, Jesse. Oh my goodness. A lot of homoerotic energy happening. That is exactly what Robert England said that he was playing it as too. When you watch the documentary, they ask him about the stair scene. And there's a part where he says he wanted to put one of the blades in Jesse's mouth. But the makeup artist 
stepped in and was like, don't let him put his finger in your mouth because it's going to look like you're giving him a blowjob. Their meeting is essentially so that Freddy can say, hey, guess what? I need to use your body. You're my new host. We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. Pulls his, like, skull out. Like, look at my brain! Pulse, pulse, pulse. You know what? Freddy is, um, usually very quippy. But I think in this one specifically, and I've only seen the first three, he's not his, uh, usual one-liner giving self. He's, he's very intense. Yes, he is a little bit darker than the first one because he never tries to (laughs) possess Nancy. Uh, like he does Jesse. He just wants to kill Nancy. Yeah, he's just kind of playing with them like a cat and mouse. But this one is very different. This is more a possession film than anything. On to one of the iconic scenes, which is Jesse comes home from school and his dad, he wants to go study with Lisa or something. And his dad says, you haven't unpacked your room yet, so you're not allowed to go. Go upstairs and unpack. So Jesse goes, fine. And he goes upstairs and he starts to unpack. And by that, he takes a box and dumps it into a dresser drawer. And then he starts to dance. Like his dance. From everything I saw, people seem like critical of his dance. But to be fair, if you are by yourself... This dance does not seem out of the ordinary for a teenager to be doing by themselves in their room. No, and apparently, and this was one of the things that that people were like, oh, this dance is so gay. This is a gay character. And in the script, it basically tells him to do a lot of the stuff where there's a part where he's like shutting one of the desk drawers with his butt. And there's a part where he's got this little like toy bat and he's putting it up to his crotch and it looks like he's pretending... The bat is his dick. I don't know. It just seems like such a teenage boy thing to do. Yeah, it it was fine. It was silly and cute. And I, I don't think, I think that's a lot of the problem is that this is a very like sensitive and vulnerable character and people are used to seeing that in a girl in horror movies and you have to have, oh, they put it really well in the uh, Scream Queen documentary where it's like the the final girl has to have this sort of transformation. But this is where you have to start, where you have that vulnerability. And we're still very much at the beginning of the movie. Whatever. I think he does a cute dance and I love it. I like the dance. I think it's fun. And of course, his mom and Lisa come in right towards the end of it. And they laugh and he's very embarrassed. Which he must have called Lisa and been like, I can't come over. Or she was just like, he's five minutes late. I'm going to his house. Which, (laughs) did she walk? How close does she live to him? Well, if she's walking every day to get picked up. Oh, I guess you're right. To to get to school. Either she's super desperate or she, yeah, must live really close. But no, I, I'm assuming he called and said, like, I'm not ghosting you. I'm, I'm just cleaning my room. And she's like, okay, I'll come over. She comes over and she's like, I'm here to help. So they start unpacking together. That is when Lisa finds Nancy's journal hidden in the closet. And they start reading through it and they're like, this chick's crazy. Then they get to the part about Freddy Krueger, uh, you know, the man with knives for fingers. And that's when Jesse's like, oh, no. I've been seeing him in my dreams. Oh no. Uh-oh. I found Nancy's erotic fan fiction about this sexy man tearing through her sheets. And now I have the gay panic. But obviously, yeah, he realizes, oh, this is the same guy that I'm seeing. He comes to me at night, horrible, ugly, mm. dirty, under the sheets with me, 
tearing at my nightgown with his steel claws. His name is Fred, and he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room. Jess, are you okay? It's just something that Grady said to me about the girl that used to live here, how she went crazy when she saw her boyfriend get murdered across the street. Yeah, not great. Then we cut right to a dream sequence. There's a there's a lot of fast cutting in this movie. I kind of like it because it does make you question like, is this a dream? What's going on? Where am I? I think they do a good job with it, even though the pacing is sort of weird. Yeah, it cuts right away to Jesse waking up from being asleep and everything in his room is melting because, of course, his house is very hot. Uh, but don't worry, he has jeans on, so we know it's a dream. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like how people figured out in Inception. You could tell if it was real or not, depending on DiCaprio's ring. So that's that's how I view the pants in this movie. I've only seen that movie once, but good for them. Good job figuring it out. He eventually wanders down to the basement, and that's where he reaches into the furnace, which is off, and pulls out Freddy's glove. And Freddy appears, and he's like, ah, Jesse... Go ahead, Jesse. Try it on for size. Try it on for size. I don't know how to talk like Freddy Krueger. That sounded Try nothing like Try it on like for him. size. I don't know how to talk like That was either. a lot better than I did. Jesse wakes up. It was a dream. So we cut to school. It's it's Lisa establishing that she's going to be having a party. Have a big scene there at her pool party. Jesse and Grady clearly had just come out of, they cut to them in the locker room, clearly having just finished gym class. And they're talking shit about their coach, who then comes up behind them and makes them do push-ups again. I forgot we get so many locker room scenes. They're bonding over their bad push-ups or whatever they're being made to do. Planks, whatnot, uh... Back at home from school, it's that night. Uh, Jesse is hanging out with his parents and his sister, and it's really hot. Uh, his dad looks at the thermostat. It's like, us oh, 97 degrees. Weird. His mom's like, time to put the birds to sleep. Puts a covering over the bird cage because they have two parakeets. And then they hear a weird noise from the cage. Jesse pulls back to cover to reveal that one of the birds is dead and the other one's losing its fucking mind. Uh, Gets out of the cage, starts dive bombing at the dad, and then explodes. You know how sometimes I'll watch something like a string of things with a common theme like there was decapitation for a while? Oh, have you been watching a lot of bird deaths? I've watched two. I just realized that a movie that I'm halfway through, a bird got accidentally cooked to death in a toaster oven Whoops. it was a parrot Ooh, that's yeah. worse how does that happen <laughs> i know that's way Wait, worse. what are you watching uh you know how my guilty pleasure movies are like anything that has the amityville horror attached yeah i'm watching one called the evil escapes about oh. a haunted lamp Ooh, fun. that creates like a portal from california to new york and and one of the characters had a bird not anymore but she did had been the operative word but yeah Jesse's dad is crazy and is like, you made the birds explode. You're putting firecrackers in the birds. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't think it's right for him to blame Jesse, but I can understand how he can't make sense of it. And I think it's in, in the Never Sleep Again. I don't remember who they were interviewing, but they essentially said the reason that scene is in there, it might have been the writer, is because anytime there's like evil or like you have like a gas leak it's the birds that are affected first so he's like yeah the birds are affected by the evil of freddy and that's why the bird thing happened okay 
I mean, it's more creative than, you know, light bulbs exploding or like electricity and batteries being weird. So, okay, I'll give them a point for creativity. And then Jesse wakes up again. He's very hot. He gets out of bed. Ah, he's got jeans on. We know it's a dream. He ends up leaving... What happens? Lightning in kitchen. Yeah, he's in the kitchen. That is what happens. He's standing in the kitchen, lightning strikes inside of his house, and he goes, I'm going to go for a walk, and then walks (laughs) to the S&M club. Yeah, he walks to Don's place, which is an S&M club. We get the Robert Shaw cameo, where he's the bartender. Guess who's there? Who? Oh my god, it's the coach! (gasps) Oh my god, at the S&M club? Instead of telling him to leave... Or, like, calling, like, taking him outside and then calling the cops to take him home. He makes him go to school to run laps as a punishment? In his jeans? That is a great punishment if you're trying to kill him. And then he's like, go shower. It's just, like, at the school running laps in his jeans. Then goes into the shower, because he's sweaty. He's always sweaty. And while the coach is waiting for him to finish... He gets attacked by a bunch of balls. Which is how his night would have ended regardless. I guess it depends what he's into. At the S&M club? He starts getting attacked by all his sporting equipment. Some jump ropes attack him and drag him into the shower. I don't remember how it happens, but he loses all his clothes and he's strung up. A towel starts whipping his butt, so you get another you get another butt. And then Freddy comes up behind and goes, Ha ha, I can give you some penetration. Kills him with his claws. Oh no. But was it Freddy? Because guess who's got the glove on? The coach dies and you cut over and uh, Jesse's standing there covered in blood with the glove on. So you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this can't be good. And you think it might actually just still be a dream. But then uh, we cut back to Jesse's place. Someone rings the doorbell. His parents come to the door and the cops have Jesse. And they're like, yeah, your son was walking naked down the street. You want him back? Yeah, things aren't going well for Jesse. And regardless of how the movie ends, I think he should be locked up. Like for his own protection, but also because he just murdered a man. Yeah, and it's raining outside. So the cops didn't find him covered in blood. And his parents just assume, and the cops must also, that he's just on some sort of drugs. And since he's a white kid, they just bring him home. Yeah, you also realize how not a dream what happened was, is because when Jesse goes to school the next morning, uh, the coach's body was found. So they know that he was murdered. Oh, no. Oh, no. What a humiliating way to be found, too. Like, just fully with your ass out, tied up to the showers with a jump rope unfortunate what a choice for a murder uh, for them to put this in the script but don't worry it's all subtext oh yeah and it definitely wasn't written in the script that the bar was a quote-unquote transvestite bar it's all subtext what are you talking about (laughs) i've never heard of this gay what do you mean yeah, we cut right from the school back to Jesse having a nightmare. Uh, he still has the glove. Uh, it's like moving in his door like, put me on. He's wandering through his house, opens his sister's door. She's just, you know, nighttime jumper open, as you do in dreams. Yeah. Uh, and then it's morning again. <laughs> Is this the part where he starts hearing Freddy's voice? Is that why he goes into the room? Because Freddy keeps saying, like, kill for me. Kill. 
Man says something similar, doesn't he? What does he say? Be my... Be my victim? Is that what he says? I don't know why. It just seems, seems so similar. Yeah. No, you're right. What even? Murder in-house discussion. Oh, oh, oh. That's what I forgot. It's so funny. There's a scene where Jesse comes down and he's just like, hey, so I know about Freddy Krueger. And I know that some murders happened here. And the mom's like, what murders? And the dad's like, how the fuck do you think we got this house so cheap? Of course there was a murder. You didn't know anything about the murder across the street? And the crazy girl that lived here that saw the whole thing? They told me something about it, yeah, but You I... mean you knew something about this and oh, you... come on, Cheryl. How do you think we got such a good deal here, The dad in this is such a little shit. I like him. Because he is, he's not guilty at all. He's like... Yeah, we got a great deal. I mean, whatever. Who cares? People get murdered all the time. Just honest. Jesse's back at school. He's kind of having a freak out. And he's just like, I think Freddy's real. That diary we read, I, th- I think he's real. And she's like, no, it's all in your head. Don't worry about it. Oh, wait, no, they don't go to school. They go to the plant. Never mind. We cut to them in the car. And Lisa's like... I'm taking you somewhere fun uh, to this abandoned power plant. Yeah, this is where Freddy used to take his uh, his his kids and murder them. <laughs> See, it's fine. Yeah, it's a very bizarre choice. And I also like her wording because she goes, oh, yeah, Freddy used to work here. Do you remember in the diary when Nancy said she kept finding herself in a boiler room? Well, Fred Krueger worked here. It's an old power plant. Fred Krueger kidnapped 20 kids and brought them here. And killed him. I'm like, I don't think he worked there. I think that's where he just spent his free time doing his little hobby of murder. Uh, Dead Meat does like their kill counts. And I was watching it. And <laughs> that's one of the jokes they said. They're like, yeah, I think it's more of a hobby as opposed to a uh, a job. Well, and that's why we got so confused, too, because she's like, he used to work here. And we were like, I thought he worked at the school and then realized, oh, yeah. well, I, I did work at the power plant, but he was not an employee. Yeah, I remember trying to figure it out. I'm like, did he have a second job? It, it is America, <laughs> so I guess that makes sense. He had to find money to keep welding those weird finger gloves. But yeah, if you believe your significant other is having a psychotic break, probably shouldn't do anything to make it worse. Not to put any blame on Lisa, but... She was trying her hardest, but yeah, she didn't think that one through. Jesse has another nightmare. Uh, He ends up in his sister's room and he tucks her in and then realizes he's got the glove on. So he's like, oh no, Freddy is gonna keep trying to take me over. I have to stay awake forever. So he starts taking caffeine pills and drinking a lot of coffee. And that's also not going to help the fact that he's essentially in the middle of having a mental breakdown. It's like that episode of Saved by the Bell. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! (laughs) I like that one. That poor girl. Nomi Malone. That's a different movie. We should cover that sometime. (laughs) It's basically a horror movie. Uh, I got party time next. Is that what happens? Is that what you got? I have I have driving to school. Again? Jesse seems freaked out. Lunchtime, Jesse is despondent. Grandma down the stairs. Grandma? What does that mean? Who's grandma? Oh, oh, it was Rod. Rod was like, I pushed my grandma. What did he say? Oh my god. Okay, yeah. So they're talking about the party, and Ron says he can't go because he's grounded, and they ask why, and he says, I pushed my grandma down the stairs. And then they move past it immediately. So you're like, was that a joke? I don't, I don't know. The delivery was very weird. So you going to Lisa's house tomorrow night? Nope. Uh, I'm grounded. 
How come? I think my grandmother's down flight of stairs. Um, they were like, what reason should we have it that Ron's not going to be at the party so Jesse has a place to go to once he starts to have his, like, full meltdown? They're like, yeah, Ron definitely would push his grandma down the stairs. I know. This character is an enigma. It's very strange. Now it is pool pool party time. Uh, Lisa's parents are super cool. They're essentially like hosting this party. I think they're the kind of parents that are just like, our kids are going to go out and drink either way. We'd rather them just be at the house and do it, I guess. One, if all the other parents know that that's where they are, I guess that's fine. Yeah. It was the 80s. Jesse shows up at the party. He's still really freaked out about the fact that he keeps waking up in jeans. He and Lisa, like, go into a separate area because he's just like, I'm really freaked out about what's happening. I think I'm losing my mind. But Lisa comforts him, and they start making out. They're having a great time. Uh, Lisa's parents go to bed. Everyone's very excited because as soon as they turn the lights off, they start, like, having a full-on party. Do you think the parents had, like, a really weird kink? Because it didn't seem like they were going to bed. It seemed like... The daughter was like, Mom, get Dad out of here. And she's like, okay, I'll use sex to get your father upstairs. But then they, like, don't close the window or anything. They just start kind of getting sexy with all the children outside. (laughs) It's very weird. This town is a lot more open than what you'd think. Apparently. Good for them. It's very progressive. Don't have sex in front of your kids. And then Jesse and Lisa's makeout session goes a little awry because they start to get a little further than making out. And then uh, Jesse gets this uh, really long, gross fucking looking tongue. He uh, He's like, yeah, I, I can't do this. So he like runs away. And Lisa's on the floor like, you're giving me blue balls here. What's <laughs> happening? Listen, I don't know what part of their hookup scene was more uncomfortable. Was it the weird Freddie Gene Simmons looking tongue? Or was it the fact that I I don't think Jesse knows what he's doing. He just sort of inserts <laughs> his face in her chest and just stays there, like in the crevice. Yeah, it's not really like a motorboat. That, yeah. It's just like a, It's not, because he's not He's just like, like, got like vice grips on her boobs. Like, she's gonna have bruises. Oh, no. Unless that's what she's into. I don't want to kink shame Lisa. Yeah, who who knows? She seems a little more experienced than Jesse. They both seem a little confused. And Freddie has just got a hilarious sense of humor. He's like, I'll have time for you teenagers to have sex. I got murdering to do. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie loves a good creepy tongue scene. It's not the first we've seen. So where does Jesse go? Since he has to run away from the party because he's afraid his Freddie is coming out. Uh, He runs to his boyfriend's house. Bronze. The way this scene is written. Gay as hell. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. The actor who plays Ron, Robert Russler, said once he read the script, he knew and could tell about all of the subtext. So I'm assuming he was playing it that way. Yeah, and I guess if you were like a guy friend, that would probably would be the joke you would make. Yeah. To be like, you're not going to be with the girlfriend, Especially you're going to come here and sleep with me. breaks into your room and immediately climbs on top of you. Jesse has no plan. Nancy's plan was much more straightforward. Like... If you're comparing the movies, her idea was, oh my god, I think I can pull things out of my dreams. Boyfriend, I'm gonna go to sleep. Wake me up if it seems like I'm having a nightmare. I'm gonna try to bring Freddy out. Essentially, Jesse's like, hey, I need you to watch me tonight. 
And so if it seems like I'm having a nightmare, wake me up. Ron is just not about that. Uh, he's like 10 minutes into doing it. And then just like, I'm tired and purposefully turns the light off and then starts going to sleep. If we are comparing the two, Ron and Glenn are both no help. equally shitty partners when it came to this plan. At least Glenn like fell asleep on accident. He didn't just like purposely go, okay, <laughs> time true. to shut the lights very off. very intentionally like climb into bed. Roll over with my but pillow. But I, I don't think it was going to matter either way because what you see happen next. Yeah, you think, you think Jesse's getting the poops, but he's not. He's getting the Freddies. <laughs> he crouches over holding his stomach and then he looks at his hands. The knives start coming out of his fingers. His skin starts tearing away to reveal a sweater underneath. You see Freddy's head coming out of his stomach and then Freddy controls his controls Jesse's hand that has the knives to slit open his stomach so that Freddy can crawl out. There's also a really cool scene where Jesse kind of starts to scream and you can see an eye in the back of his throat. So like Freddy's in there going, hello, I'm here. You can't hide from him anymore. Just like you can't hide from how gay this all is. I, I'm assuming if there was subtext. He, I mean, Freddy is inside yeah. of Jesse bursting out. Yeah, he's the homosexuality that he's trying to suppress, but you can't. It's going to burst out. Of- I think there are elements of the practical effects that you can tell are kind of fake. But because they're practical, I still think they're still kind of terrifying. They're just a lot of fun. Oh, I agree. I think for the most part, the things that don't look good in this movie are the CGI, like specifically the really shitty lightning that happens in that scene earlier. Yes. But otherwise, I think all of the other body horror and like practical stuff is done really well. Freddy bursts out of Jesse and then immediately attacks Ron, stabs him with his claws through a door. So R.I.P. Grady. And then we cut back and it's not Freddy. Freddy's in the mirror. It's actually Jesse. Oh, no killed his boyfriend he hears the cops coming so he skedaddles yeah and then he goes back to the party just completely drenched in blood i'm gonna go back to my girlfriend and then he's like i did it i kill people and she's like what do you mean no you don't jesse my god you're hurt what happened i i killed grady lisa i killed snyder i'm so scared jesse what are you talking about He's inside me. I'm scared. Jesse, who is doing this to you? Fred Krueger. He's inside me and he wants to take me again. I remember the whole time we were just like, you're covered. He's covered in like, blood. Why don't you believe he him? has no wounds and he's covered in blood. Lisa was a little. Lisa is too nice of a person. She's simping. She was like, no, my boyfriend, he's so hot. He doesn't do murders, even though he's covered in blood and right in front of me. Lisa has been reading Nancy's diary and says, I know how we can defeat Freddy. You have to not, you have to stop like giving him your energy. It's like when you have a friend that that breaks up with somebody and you're like, you just need to stop giving them your energy. But Freddy says, "Uh uh-uh. And he bursts out of Jesse again and then starts chasing Lisa around and fucking with her. He does the thing where he in Jesse's voice goes, kill me, Lisa, please kill me. (laughs) it's such funny timing that lisa's like i know how to defeat him and then freddie immediately appears jesse's like oh i'm too tired to do that let him take over right now yeah and then uh freddie crashes the pool party 
jumps out of like the glass door and just starts slashing people. He's having a great time. There's a moment where he stops for a second and one of the one of the guys is just like, "You don't have to do this. We could just call it even. It's it's fine." <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. He's like trying to negotiate with him like he's um like like when you negotiate with someone who is like holding people hostage. It's very strange. It's like, can you not see this man? That's a monster. When you're trying to humanize yourself so you're like, "This is me. I have parents and a kid and blah blah blah." Like, oh my god, like, what's her name did in Grey's Anatomy during the shooting episode? April. So sad. Yeah, that's immediately what I first thought of. Well, it worked. Uh, well, it worked for April. It doesn't work so much for this guy. He gets thrown into a grill. Just tell us what you want, alright? Yeah, I- I'm here to help you. Help yourself, fucker! You are all my children now. Kind of weird. Yeah, and then Lisa's dad shows up and he's got a shotgun, so he starts firing, which is probably not a good idea because all the kids are standing behind Freddy. Uh, <laughs> well, that and Jesse's apparently still inside of Freddy, so you're like, oh, if if we kill him, do we also kill Jesse? But yeah, he better have really good aim. Yeah, and Lisa's not about that, so she keeps like hitting the gun so it's going off into the sky and not towards Freddy, Jesse. And then I guess Freddy's like, ah, oh, my only weakness, guns. So he uh, decides to fire phase out of the situation he like walks through a fence and disappears pretty impressive lisa says i know where he's going well she doesn't say that she just kind of like runs off and she drives to the power plant where freddie murdered all the kids she has to deal with some dogs that they put masks on some like rat that's freddieized uh so essentially just walks through the power plant until she finds Freddy Jesse and she just uses the power of love to defeat Freddy. I love you. Come back to me. He's dead. He can't hold you, Jesse. He's losing his grip. You can get out. I like the part earlier where Freddy bites her. Before he bursts into the pool party and they he bursts out of Jesse and they're kind of going back and forth. Yeah, he like grabs her and then like Takes a big chomp out of her leg. I like that better than I'm going to defeat you with love. Let's start biting each other instead. That's way more entertaining for me. Kiss, kiss. And then Freddy goes, oh, oh no, I'm on fire. So everything catches on fire around him. Oh, and he melts. And you think, oh no, Jesse's dead too. But no, he's just uh inside of the shell. Oh yeah. Ugh, he crawls out of his charred remains very weird yay the day is saved except for the fact that i am still pretty sure that i don't think anybody else saw freddy except lisa i think everyone else saw jesse doing this so that's a little worrisome for his future as a uh non-incarcerated member of society i mean he's 17 he could get it expunged he'll be fine he killed a lot of people He had a bad day. It was puberty. Had a bad day. Uh, So who'd he kill? He killed the coach. Deserved it. He killed like six or seven people at the pool party. They probably deserved it. Oh, he killed Ron. Oh, he's the only one who didn't deserve it. But we're not going to worry about that because he and, you know, Jesse used her kiss power to save him. Uh, or Lisa used her kiss power to save Jesse. Lisa had to make out with that moist ass Freddy Krueger. That, oh. Poor girl. Yeah, we cut to the next day. I guess he got off scot-free. They're all on the bus. It's uh, Jesse, Lisa. Oh, and their random friend that I has no relevance to the plot. Oh, yeah, Carrie. Uh, but she's one of Lisa's friends. Uh, yeah, Carrie. Uh, she's there. And she, at first, Jesse thinks he's having another nightmare, um, which he should already suspect because he's wearing jeans. <laughs> 
But he's like, stop the bus. And the bus does stop to pick up a kid. So he's like, oh, okay, whew, we're fine. And then Carrie's like, Jesse, it's okay. It's all over. And then a Freddy hand comes bursting out of her abdomen and the bus drives off into the desert. Oh my gosh. I feel like he should have known it was a dream when Carrie was like, wow, what a cool, great party. Ha ha. Why are we going to school the day after all of this mass murder all happened? All of the murder. But you know, that's fine. It clearly was a dream because we have to end all the nightmare movies like that. That's how the movie ends. I almost think it would have been interesting. And I know they would not have done this because of the fact that the, after this movie came out and even though it did make money, it did make money. A lot of the fans didn't like it. So they kind of just retconned it. They pretended like it didn't happen. But what if Jesse was one of the kids in uh in the third movie that are in like the mental hospital oh my god he could have been one of the dream warriors yeah that would have been fun but i do think that that's well actually i can't really fairly say that because i haven't seen them all but it's really really good and i don't think they could have made it much better i feel like you could definitely view this movie as like jesse having a psychotic episode or having some extreme psychosis and that he just keeps visioning envisioning freddy but freddy's not real because he was so deeply closeted and it was his internal homophobia causing him to have a breakdown because society made him that way not gay they made him Ashamed of being gay. Yes. Yes. But yeah, that's that's Freddy's revenge. That's that's we did it. Quite the film. There's nothing like super deep about this movie, so I I don't really know how much more there is to talk about. We've uh you've done a good job of covering a lot of the subtext, which is text. I mean, we talked about a lot of that up front too when we talked about the Scream Queen film, and I I think if anyone wants any more information about that and the public reaction and what happened to Mark Patton afterward, I would highly suggest just go watch that. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's all of my thoughts. Yeah, okay. I'm good to jump into review or uh, ratings if you want to do that. Yeah, one to five. How'd you like the movie? Okay, this is a second time viewing for me. And both times I thought it was very fun. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of five it's obviously it's nothing super deep but like it's good it's fun it's well made it's well acted whatever i feel like i have two different ratings for this movie and that is like i feel like as a movie it's like a three like i i still think it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. i think the practical effects are good i think uh the pacing is a little weird yeah uh but like for a slasher film it's a lot of fun but my personal rating is like like a 4.5. I just think this movie is like bananas and fun and wacky. And it's so different from all the other nightmare movies. I'm not at all surprised because I already knew that about you. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's, I it's think, uh, like, I think Dream Warriors is a, is a better movie. Mm. But I think this movie is just like bizarre and I love it. So, so that's you, why it's my favorite sequel. If you had to choose, would this be between three and two you would watch this one i think so yeah there's just something so fun about this movie but dream warriors dream warriors is also really good but i'm also someone who can completely understand why like if you told me i don't like this movie i'd be like yeah i get that i completely understand yeah you're homophobic just say that horror struck rating mine's one i'm gonna give it a two just because i do think it's got 
a lot of good inventive, especially when it comes to the body horror stuff. It's got some interesting shit going on. It's sort of freaky. But yeah, it's it's not scary. You could probably, this. it has to be like a PG-13 movie, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so what are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? We are going to cover the Fear Street trilogy that is streaming right now on Netflix. So I can't, what are what are the titles? It's Fear Street 1994? 94, 78, and 1666. Generally speak on all three of them, we're going to cover them all together. Listen, these movies are so much fun. I had so much fun. So much fun. The the three weeks that they came out back to back and every Friday you and I would like sit down and watch them and have our little movie night on the premiere nights. I think they're also really good. I think they're like really well made and they do a good job of like, first of all, they're all on Netflix and they all premiered on Netflix. So they're very accessible to everyone. Yeah. And I, I think it's just nice. They do a good job covering things like being a queer teenager and classism and stuff like that. And I, I think there are three films. You're going to enjoy one of them. They kind of all play or pay homage to a different subgenre of horror. And I, I like them a lot. It won the best kill at the Chainsaw Awards. So That was my write-in vote. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that later because I... I'm assuming you're going to look up how the hell they did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I I guess we never talked about this. We watched the... Ch- when were they? Like, last month? Oh, yeah. The Chainsaw Awards? Uh, I think, yeah. A couple weeks ago. Uh, they were done in partnership between Fangoria and Shudder. Um, at least the stream was. Fangoria does the Chainsaw Awards every year. But if you have not had a chance to watch the Chainsaw Awards and you have Shudder, highly recommend going to watch it like a tight hour and a half it was a hell of a lot of fun that's how they should always do award shows i had a really fun time watching and there were a lot of movies in it that we talked about when we did our little award show episode and it was nice to see those creators get acknowledged so it was a good time yeah i would recommend it yeah and fear street was one of the movies that got um it got a couple awards so that's fun yeah all right, horror fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horrorstruck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at Pod, or you can check us out on Facebook at Horrorstruck Podcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own Horrorstruck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye!